Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Look, I love SEC football because of the passion that it elicits in all of us for our favorite team, but also the league overall. And there's nothing better than watch the celebration take place after a big win. The way in which, we talked about this yesterday some, the players are jumping in the stands, Kirby Smart's running around, high-fiving everybody, fist-bumping everybody. And when you win a big game in the SEC, especially during against a hated rival, you just deserve the chance to stop and appreciate it. And I think that Georgia's really good at that. You see the locker room dances from time to time you see the on-field celebration you see whatever's going on there they just Kirby Smart seems to get it as as hardwired as he is and as driven and ambitious as he is he allows himself to stop and appreciate moments and beating Florida is a really good moment and I think one of the things around here we certainly understand because obviously we you know preach being a Gator hater more than anything we always say that a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost that the Florida Gators are the are the most important, the biggest rival that Georgia has, and hating on the, as we call them, the lousy, stinking Gators is really our favorite thing to do, that the cool thing about rivalries is, is that when you get the big win, you get to enjoy your team celebrating that, but you also get that chance to watch the other side just really squirm and just really just, I mean, it is just painful for those couple days after that. And sometimes it's even worse than others. And yesterday, and we admitted at the time that it's not the classiest thing to do. Admittedly, it's not super classy to uh, to just revel in Florida's misery as much as we did yesterday. But also, we're not going to uh, be anything other than our genuine, authentic selves. And we really do enjoy that. And it was funny yesterday to see this kind of roll back in a second day. So you'll remember from yesterday's show, we played you some post-game press conference audio from Dan Mullen Saturday night where he was pressed a couple times on recruiting because it was certainly obvious watching the two teams play on Saturday that Georgia has the majority, the lion's share of the better players and better players are just going to win more often than not. Kirby Smart himself even admitted that in the post-game press conference on Saturday. And Dan Mullen could not stand the nature of those recruiting questions that he got on Saturday night. Well, as many of you are aware, you fast forward to Monday. This is the weekly press conference as Florida tries to turn the page away from Georgia and look ahead to what Dan Mullen said about a thousand times on Saturday night, the final third of the season, essentially trying to make it sound like Florida still had a lot to play for. Well, the media on hand for the Dan Mullen press conference, they weren't quite ready to let go just yet of what may have happened against Georgia and the imbalance of talent that seems to be on the side of the Bulldogs in a game like that. So the subject of recruiting came up again and Boy, Dan Mullen was not happy. If you're a Georgia fan, you will love every second of this. This is Dan Mullen being pressed by a reporter. Coach, the topic of recruiting has come up a lot in the last couple of days from a few angles. Uh, is there a different approach needed for the, the level no. of consistency? Well, we're, we're in the season right now. We'll do recruiting after the season. And when it gets this recruiting time, we can talk about recruiting. Sounds good. Okay. Um, Next question. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I've said this before, but when Dan Mullen does the next question thing, like nobody does that in an unironic way. Uh, anytime anybody, for the most part, gives you the next question, that's become such a cliche that it's almost a joke. But Dan Mullen really tries to next question that guy over the fa- whoever it is. I'm not even sure who it is. Who's like, hey, do you think you need to approach recruiting in a different way? Do you think you need to go about this in a different way? And Dan Mullen's like, We'll talk about recruiting during the recruiting season. Next question. Like, who does that in 2021? That's like something you would have heard in the 90s or something like that. This is Mullen's way of trying to, you know, bully these guys and gals or whoever's in that room to to not ask these questions. And then there were some people that were rushing to Dan Mullen's defense of, well, he's not saying that he's not recruiting 365 days a year. He's just saying he doesn't want to talk about it right now. I don't care if that's the context for this. The fact of the matter is that doesn't make any of this feel any better for Mullen whatsoever. This is a guy who's clearly bothered. This is a guy who's clearly feeling cornered uh, the walls closing in on him right now and he's so bothered by this he can't even give a paint by numbers answer to a relatively innocuous question and just move on that he's this bothered by it, that he has to wilt 
under the pressure of all this? I mean, how much does Eddie the Blind Squirrel, how much do all of you, how much do those of us who are Gator haters, how much do we love every single minute of this? And believe it or not, it actually got worse. This is how defensive Dan Mullen is. This is how incapable of defending himself right now Dan Mullen is. Shortly after this testy exchange with the reporter, all he asked was, hey, do you need to have a different approach in recruiting? Um and then Dan Mullen fires back with the we'll talk about recruiting during the recruiting season one of the most embarrassing answers you can ever have a coach uh, give in a situation like this well guess what happened after that as one of the Florida reporters put out on Twitter let me show you this uh, tweet here uh, in the aftermath of the exchange there with Dan Mullen which was for a brief while until monkey gate uh, the biggest story in college football yesterday Thomas Goldcamp who covers the Gators writes that the Gators then canceled all remaining media availability this week outside of Dan Dan Mullen on the SEC teleconference, which every coach has to do, and that takes place on Wednesday. So they are so defensive right now at Florida about their lack of talent and their beat down against Georgia that they're canceling all media availability. And it has been amazing over the last few days to watch the way in which the the Sharks, I guess no pun intended given the way that the last coach's tenure came to an end in Florida, but the Sharks are circling around Florida right now. Let me give you Matt Baker from the Tampa Bay Times, who was the one that kind of gave the sarcastic, do you really want me to answer that response to Mullen on Saturday when the subject of recruiting came up. What Baker wrote on Twitter yesterday was that um, – that Mullen didn't seem to want to talk about recruiting uh, on Saturday, but he's been more than happy to talk about recruiting in the in the past, including uh, last year there as well. After the game against Georgia, he loved talking about recruiting there at that point in time, uh, was more than happy to do that. Uh, uh, I'm looking for the quote. I can't find it. But um, but, but he, he's – yeah, so, so he, he – let me go back to last year. This is Matt Baker. Says Mullen was asked about the Gators recruiting a year ago on the Monday after the Georgia game. So same time a year ago, Mullen this time in 2021 says, no, I don't want to talk about this at all. But a year ago, he was asked about recruiting. And boy, he was all willing to talk about it then. Matt Baker quoting uh, Mullen a year ago is saying, it's always better than going the other way. You know what? The excitement. You're hitting up your guys that, you're, that are committed to play for you. And they're fired up. They can't wait to be a part of where this program's heading. The direction this program's heading. Guys that aren't committed and all these other guys you recruited and are excited about what the future of the program looks like there is sure something positive around the program this was dan mullen ironically asked this same question a year ago and he was more than happy to talk about recruiting at the time but did not want to talk about that yesterday showing you just how defensive he's kind of gotten there's a guy named bruce feldman who writes for the athletic he had a story up about dan mullen uh and the florida gators yesterday getting some quotes from some unnamed sec assistant coaches this was not kind to Mullen at all. Bruce Feldman has a, a quote in here that says, they play with zero discipline. They don't play hard. Uh, Feldman pointing out that Florida's 2-7 in its last nine games against Power 5 opponents. And another coach is quoting the same story as saying, you listen to some of the things that Mullen says after his teams lose. He starts talking about stats and how, like, we really outplayed them. Basically, the coach said, he's just making excuses. Your bunch makes mistakes in critical moments. And this is a story filled with statements like this. Brandon Marcello writing for 24-7 Sports talking about the fact that uh, Dan Mullen and getting defensive and trying to bully the media and trying to scare them from asking him tough questions is kind of a play out of the book that he used when he was head coach at Mississippi State. And all of a sudden, the darling of the media, Dan Mullen, all of a sudden, all that seems to have gone away. All of a sudden, people seem to be seeing the true colors of what Mullen is all about. I don't mind telling you around here, we find all of this to be pretty entertaining. And this whole notion that somehow Dan Mullen was going to build a program at Florida that was better than what Kirby Smart's building in Georgia using inferior players to do so, that was always myth-making. That was always a joke and we never took that seriously uh smart georgia fans never took it seriously educated college football fans never took it seriously and it seems like right now the rest of the media is kind of getting caught up in what we've always known now do i think dan mullen's gonna get fired after this year no i probably don't i'll also acknowledge that at least the majority of the georgia fans i hear from don't want him to be fired the majority of georgia fans that i hear from seemingly want mullen to be the coach at florida forever because of the fact that he is an endless reservoir of entertainment and he's also just seemingly incapable of building something long term that truly rivals what kirby smart's building at uga whatever the future holds though the present i gotta say is pretty good it feels good to be back on top if you're a georgia fan in that rivalry 34 to 7 is a score that i gotta say sounds pretty good rolling off the tongue 
and to see Florida still dealing with the aftermath of all of that and frankly not handling it all that well, I would say that's uh, pretty enjoyable too. So you know Mullen is bothered by all this because of two things that he does. At one point in time, he kind of goes into high-pitched voice. Oh, yeah, we had a couple guys mispractice. <laughs> a little blast from the past there. Connor Riley throwing that in. No problem with that whatsoever. Fun times here today. It's Dog Nation Daily. Daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video. Uh, we'll start at 945 with our first and 15 at dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're, of course, on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 963F podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just really appreciate all of you being with us. And a big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia for making it all possible. You know, foundation waterproofing issues, we may joke around and have some fun here, but that's no joke. If you're a homeowner and you're dealing with those kinds of things, you know that can be kind of a stressful situation. It feels like a pretty big problem. Well, that's why you want to turn to in a solutions-based company for the problem that you have, whether it's a simple fix or something a lot more complicated. Uh, Substantial Engineered Solutions of Georgia, the one to turn to on all of that because they have two full-time engineers on staff. They're smart people that know how to, to fix the things you have going on. And if it's a simple fix, they'll tell you that. If it's something more substantial, then they'll obviously walk you through all of that, too. They're proud partners of UGA. It's always great to support those companies that support the dogs. ESOG is one of them. And listen, they've been longtime friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily as well. So easy to get in touch with. My advice to you is to reach out today. Give them a call. Simply dial 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right, welcome into our program here today. It's Connor Riley coming up in a bit. We'll get a Kroger fresh take from him. Now, credit to Connor. We'll talk about this when he joins us. So a lot of this recruiting narrative that has been out there the last couple of days has really centered around something that Connor asked Kirby at the end of the press conference on Saturday night. And Kirby, man, he was ready for it. He gave as detailed and thorough an answer as you can possibly give on the subject of recruiting. Now, I don't think Connor could have known. I don't think Kirby could have known that the subject of recruiting was also essentially simultaneously coming up during the Dan Mullen press conference as well. In fact, we'll ask Connor about the timeline of that coming up a little bit, how aware he even was. This was also going on with the Mullen presser at the same time. So we'll do a lot of that. And aftermath of Florida game, looking ahead to what's next for Georgia, number one in the country tonight. You got to think when it comes to college football playoff top 25 rankings, they are going to come out. And so we'll do a lot of that then with all of that with Connor Riley here on the way. Before that, though, let's go around the doghouse presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. And I I do want to deal with quarterback here a little bit. I'm going to try to do this if I can. Let me see if I can thread this needle. I'm going to try to take like two seemingly different subjects and kind of combine them together for a little bit and talk about how the quarterback discussion that's ongoing at UGA, how that also factors into the rest of the discussion that's ongoing with this program right now, all the things that are undoubtedly going the way that any of us would want them to go, and how kind of Kirby Smart views this team big picture right now. Let me start with this. I think I've said this a few times lately that I'm almost never actually in a press conference. I'm almost always doing a show at the time that press conferences go on. So I consume press conferences the same way that all of you do. I go to the Dog Nation YouTube page and I watch them and I, you know, I, I listen to the questions, I listen to the answers, and I try to gain information from them. I try to use context to help me understand that. We've said before that some of the most interesting context is the stuff that is brought up unprompted when Nolan Smith goes into defense of Stetson Bennett, for instance. We played that audio for yesterday that what seemed to be interesting about that was is that the question didn't require that answer, that there was there was a desire to seemingly have Nolan wanted to say what he said. He didn't have to say that. He wasn't responding to a direct question. He was He was kind of expounding on that voluntarily, and there's just – additional context there that makes it seem interesting but it's also important to note that sometimes a word gets introduced into a topic because of the question and then when the coach or the or the player whoever's using that when that coach or player then uses that word it doesn't quite mean the same thing that otherwise would mean because the coach or player was given the word it's not an intentionally leading question but the question did lead them in a direction so when it comes to quarterback yesterday I'm going to play what Kirby Smart said. And I don't typically play the questions before the answer because all you really care to hear from is the is, is the coach in a situation like this. But there was a way in which Smart's quote got interpreted yesterday that I don't think was 100% accurate given the way the question led him to an answer. So 
This is Kirby Smart being asked about the comparison to Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels and the role that Bennett's mobility plays in all of this. And I think hearing the question allows you to get better context out of Kirby's answer. So take a listen to this. Hey, Kirby, um, is, is Stetson Bennett's running ability a kind of a separator when you guys have decisions to make about which quarterback to use when, when JT's healthy enough to play? Yeah, it's it's a separator, but, I mean, there's things JT's better at than, than Stetson. But it's, it's one of the things that's a factor. I mean, the mobility in a quarterback, guys, is – it's critical, and it's not that JT's immobile. It's not. There's nothing there that says, "Oh, JT." It's, it's Stetson is. Stetson's very mobile. Stetson's been able to make some plays with his feet. I thought there were, I don't know, five or six plays um, in the game that uh, were where his mobility was a factor. We had breakdowns, and you're going to have some on offense. And when you have those, you got to have somebody that can, you know. I guess get you out of a bad play, and I don't mean by way of check. I mean during the play, and uh, he does a good job doing that. To be clear, I don't think that's a bad question, but I did see some social media chatter yesterday where some folks were saying, ah, Kirby Smart said that Bennett's mobility is a separator between him and JT Daniels. What the actual truth was, Kirby was asked if it was a separator. He partially agreed, but also gave some additional context and all of that. I think that's important to, to bring up there that – you know, in the ongoing conversation about Bennett Daniels, which which quarterback's better for Georgia, which one will end up being the quarterback that takes the the key snaps as as we roll through November and into December and January. Obviously, the most important moments of the season are still yet to come. I think the question is still open as to which of these two quarterbacks will take the reins there at that time. What we said yesterday on the show was that if it's going to be Daniels, I think there's a very good chance it could still be before this year is done. But if it's going to be Daniels, now that he's healthy again, he has to regain the status that he once had, and that's going to happen on the practice field. Smart has reiterated that over and over and over again, that for every player at every position, it's really what you do during practice. The the health to be able to be out there and and winning those reps and getting that experience and regaining that that chemistry that you maybe once had that it's the practice field for Daniels where it's going to be so important for him to be able to do that and it sounds like last week he was able to take some steps in that direction I take that as really good news and maybe this week he's even healthier even more in sync more in rhythm even more available and 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 maybe you take a step there in that direction I also wanted to say this on the other side though to I guess try to be fair and balanced here for a moment that if we say that's the thing that Daniels needs more of, hey, more success during practice, more health during practice, more more opportunity to, to be himself during practice now that he's maybe healthier than he's been. It's like, what do you want to see from Bennett? Let's say that Bennett holds on to this job. Let's say that Bennett, you know, who got a chance to play all the snaps against Florida, let's say that continues now for the rest of the season. What would he need to do? To, to maintain that status well the the one simple answer is then you can you know avoid some of the maybe the bad decisions that were made during the Florida game but beyond that here's the one thought I can't quite shake when it comes to Stetson just a bit and admittedly there is a chance this is all just coincidence admittedly these things are not connected whatsoever but go with me on a little bit of a journey here for a moment doesn't it seem like a little bit that Stetson's best moments in his Georgia career as quarterback have kind of all come in that break class in case of emergency type role against Arkansas when there was, I'm talking about going back to a year ago, when there was no other option, when if he doesn't step in and play well there, there's a very good chance that Georgia loses in embarrassing fashion on the road, but Bennett, free of any kind of burden of expectation, just steps on the field and really was a was a hero for Georgia that day. Or think about the UAB game earlier this season when it was obvious that JT Daniels was not healthy enough to play and Bennett played at a record-setting clip for Georgia there that day. And the opposite of that is the moments in which Bennett has seemingly struggled the most, go back to the Kentucky game a year ago, part of the Florida game maybe at times last year, maybe the Florida game here this year, the interception that he threw against South Carolina. The moments it seems like when Bennett has struggled the most have been those moments where he was on the field, but there was a common belief that Daniels was either healthy enough to play or approaching being healthy enough to play. It's almost like you get the sense of how comfortable is Bennett playing if he's looking over his shoulder and seeing a healthy JT Daniels. Now, I'm totally willing to admit that maybe that matters maybe it doesn't maybe the string of events i just described for the good and the bad are all just coincidence maybe they're not really all that connected i'm not trying to tell you that i know for sure they are but a lot of us are watching a lot of playoff baseball right now and one of the things we hear pitchers say all the time 
that if you're used to being a reliever to be what they call the opener, the first pitcher out of the game, can be a little bit of an unusual role. Sometimes relief pitchers even come out of the bullpen as if they were warming up to enter a game during the middle of the game because the role of being the starter is just a little weird for them. Same thing for the starting pitcher who was asked to go and come out of the bullpen. For a guy who is used to going through his preparation before the game begins and doing all the things a certain kind of way when you're asked to go warm up in the bullpen and enter a game during the game, especially if there are runners on base when you step on the field, that can feel a, a little weird too. So maybe there is a chance that Bennett's just a little bit more comfortable in the one role. As I said before, kind of the break glass in case of emergency, the guy that is available because the other options were exhausted. Maybe he is more comfortable in that role than he is in the role of starting quarterback, even in place of a healthy JT Daniels. But one way or another, this conversation is going to continue to play out here in the weeks ahead. And I think for those who are still confused about how Kirby Smart's handling all of this and why he's making the decisions that he's making, this is where I think you've got to pull back and look at all of this from uh, a more expanded view, a more big picture view, 10,000 feet if you want to, not microscopic zeroing in on the comparison of Daniels and Bennett, but the big picture experience that Kirby Smart has watching this team each and every day. You and I, we watch this team on Saturdays, and we maybe peer in on press conferences. But Kirby Smart lives with these guys for all intents and purposes, meeting rooms and practice fields and everything else. He sees them seven days a week. And I want you to think about something for a moment. Think about how hard it is to get a compliment from Kirby. There were guys that tried to get compliments from Kirby yesterday for Darian Kendrick and others, and Smart just doesn't want to go there. Now, eventually, he'll arrive at agreeing with that premise a little bit, but Smart is just slow to praise. So yesterday when he was asked about the big picture for his team and the way they're preparing each and every week and the way they're approaching the practice field, the way they're staying focused and locked in right now, I thought Smart gave an uncommon level of praise, at least for him, knowing that he typically throws compliments around like manhole covers. I thought yesterday he gave an uncommon level of praise. And if you wanted to understand the approach that Smart's taking to every position, quarterback included, the way in which Smart described the preparation habits of his team right now, I think give you a little bit of a window into all of this. Listen to the very, very complimentary phrase Kirby Smart uses right at the beginning of this clip. Here's Kirby. They've been tremendous. They, 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 they take the Mondays as, as give me my medicine. You know, like, what do I got to get better at? So... You know, what's the what's talk, talk to this coach? What what can we get better at? Where where do we go from here? Because they understand that we're not where we need to be, and that's been a consistent theme around here for for five six years. That's not like all of a sudden magical this year that we just try to get better after games, regardless of the outcome of the game. There's things you have to work on and get better at, and there's millions of things you guys don't see and don't aren't privy to during the game and on the tape that coaches watch that are mistakes. I mean, we had five, six busted coverages, but yet all they hear on TV is how coordinated the coverage is. Well, that's not necessarily true. And you guys don't necessarily know that, and you wouldn't. But our guys do, and that's what Monday's about, making sure we can clean that up. Same thing on the offensive line. If if a guy moves and we miss a double team and nobody sees it and they think it's somebody else's fault, we're trying to clean those things up. We want to play cleaner on both sides of the ball, and that's, that's what practice is for. I mean, think about this for a moment. I'm going to wrap this up kind of quick. It takes a Herculean effort to even get Kirby Smart to admit certain things are good. He's just slow to want to compliment anything, to praise anything, at least for the most part, very high standards, and he uses the press conference as a way of speaking to his team. And so he, because of that, he's just going to be slow to say something's even good. Yet when asked about the way that his team is preparing, when asked about the way that his team is, is going about its business right now, he says it's tremendous. That's not a Kirby Smart word. That's like a Peter Travers movie review word. That's like a, you know, a, a, a very flowery word for a guy like Smart to use, but he says it's tremendous. And he goes in and talking about the fact that he sees all the things that we don't get a chance to see, the stuff that's invisible to us because we're on the practice field. He sees that all the time. So if Kirby Smart's really having that much fun coaching this team and helping them prepare week to week, starting on Mondays, as Smart talked about there, then if you really did feel it was tremendous, if your standards were this high and you felt like things were, were so good right now they were tremendous, then you might be slow to want to make any changes whatsoever. And I know folks say when it comes to quarterback that Smart's made the wrong choice before, and 
I have to say that I'm kind of with you on some of that. I don't love every decision that Smart's always made at the quarterback spot, nor do I love the way in which he's always talked about the quarterbacks. I, I'll, I'll really admit that. But when you hear Smart seemingly having as much fun coaching this team as he is right now, I do think it becomes a little easier to understand why you'd be slow to make any kind of changes knowing that in a day in which we see less buy-in around the country than we've ever seen before, more guys over the course of the last couple of years kind of opted out or you know whatever else, buy-in is not, is not common. Buy-in is not a guarantee. Buy-in is not a given. But right now, Georgia's got buy-in seemingly across the board everywhere. I do think it becomes a little easier to understand why Kirby Smart would want to be very slow to do anything that might change the calculus of that. It's around the doghouse. It's uh, assisted today and uh, presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. Listen, Georgia's Own Credit Union can do so much for you, but one of the things I want you to think about for sure are those Visa Signature and Platinum cards. It's one of the really cool things that you get when you're a part of what's going on there at Georgia's Own Credit Union, and it's your time to be involved with that right now because you can get flex rewards on this, which can be used for basically anything. Gift cards, travel, cash back, merchandise, so much more. As a bonus, you can also earn up to $150 when you open a new Platinum or Signature card. So the time is right to do this. There are some restrictions that apply, so I'm going to invite you to check out the uh, website for more on that, but also to go ahead and apply and sign up for your card and be one of uh, Georgia's Own there by checking out the website, georgiasown.org. That's georgiasown.org. Get yourself a Visa Signature Platinum card from Georgia's Own Credit Union here today. All right, before we're done, uh, we'll take another look at everything going on around the SEC. The possibility that Dan Lanning could emerge as a head coaching candidate somewhere based on some of the chatter that's out there right now. Uh, a very, very funny statement from another SEC head coach that kind of speaks to the tension that starts to exist around the uh, league from time to time. We'll certainly have our fun with Monkey Gate and what happened in Texas with the uh, – <sighs> wife of a ut assistant so we'll cover a lot of ground before our show is done today but for now we got a lot more to do on the georgia bulldogs missouri on saturday looking back to the win against florida uh making fun of dan mullen and so much more let's do a kroger fresh take with connor riley right now from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider Boy, so great to talk to Connor Riley. And as I said before, I thought Connor did a great job in the postgame press conference on Saturday night. And so we will uh, look forward to getting to that with him. But let me also, as we kind of do from time to time here, let me pick up with Connor where I was just speaking about. Connor, I think the quarterback situation is complicated for UGA. Uh, I think the uh, fan who thinks it's a little bit unorthodox, I don't think that fan's crazy for thinking that. But I also don't think that weird decisions are necessarily wrong decisions either. I think I think there's, you know, that there's room to discuss this on all sides, including the fact that Kirby Smart just kind of likes the overall balance of his 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 team right now. I do admittedly believe that Daniels is probably the quarterback most likely to win a big game like an Alabama or an Ohio State or maybe even an Oklahoma, which is getting more uh, firepower as the season goes along here. There's a lot of different ways you can approach this. And certainly Saturday's game against Florida adds a little spice to that discussion. Let me just let you start and take it wherever you want to go. Yeah, so I think Kirby Smart knows what he is getting in Stetson Bennett. He knows Stetson's going to make five or six plays every week that are able to win you a game, move the ball downfield, score you some points. And unfortunately, Stetson's going to make two or three throws every week that are turnover-worthy plays. Florida was able to intercept those. I think Kentucky and Arkansas weren't. And so there's a known entity that he has in Stetson Bennett, whereas JT Daniels, I think we all agree, has a higher upside. But at the same point in time, there is you know, some question on is he even going to be available week to week because health has been a major issue with JT in terms of him seeing the field. So as he continues to get healthy and try and prove that he can be a week-to-week player, I think Kirby Smart takes comfort in the fact that he knows exactly what he has Seth and Bennett. I said this a moment ago, and there's a chance that, and I totally acknowledge this, there's a chance this is not connected, it's all just coincidence, and this doesn't mean anything. But it does seem like the moments in which Bennett has played the have played the best are those moments when Daniels and maybe even no one else of a starter capability was available. Last year against Arkansas, beginning of the season, Auburn, Tennessee a year ago, when there was all kinds of mess going on in the Georgia quarterback situation. The UAB game this year when it was obvious that Daniels was not going to be able to play. But when, when Bennett has had his biggest struggles, I think about Kentucky a year ago, part of the Florida game maybe a year ago, although he did have some nice moments there too. The interception he threw against South Carolina, arguably the Florida game this year. Those were moments where it seemed like Daniels could have played, just wasn't. I mean, as I said before, there's a chance that's just coincidence. 
But is there any part of you that thinks that maybe Bennett has a little bit of a hard time if he thinks he's looking over his shoulder at a healthy JT Daniels? Oh, I think that definitely factors into it, especially let's consider last year Stetson got benched for JT Daniels. I think you know you, you mentioned earlier in the show the idea of being an opener. I, I think Stetson, Stetson plays better when he is given that start and has the con- and knows that he has the confidence of Kirby Smart as opposed to coming in as a reliever on a drive. And like we saw against South Carolina when he threw that interception, it, he didn't play well in one particular play, and then he got pulled and didn't really see game action until it was a blowout in the fourth quarter again. So I think having that confidence of Kirby Smart and knowing that, hey, you're going to be handed the, lit, the reins to start this game and you're going to be the guy making the plays when they need to be made helps give Seth and Bennett more confidence in just what we know about sports when players have confidence in life in general, people tend to do better. And I think Seth and Bennett is another example of that. So the biggest narrative coming out of the Florida game over the course of the last couple of days has been the imbalance between Georgia's talent and Florida's talent. Obviously, Dan Mullins faced a lot of tough questions about that. And the way that Kirby Smart answered your question on Saturday certainly did Mullen no favors. Let me, I guess, begin with the, the timing and all this. When you asked Kirby Smart the question that you asked him, I don't really quite know how that coincided with the Florida press conference. Were you aware at all that the topic of recruiting had been such a big deal during Mullen's press conference? No, um, but I figured somebody would ask him about it, and my sort of thought genesis going into that was, so I, I think the biggest play of the game was uh, Nicobe Dean pressures Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Nicobe Dean is a five-star. Trayvon Walker tips the ball in the air. Trayvon Walker was a five-star. Right. Nolan Smith intercepts that pass. Nolan Smith is a five-star. That recruiting advantage that Georgia has had over the years really showed itself late there in the, in the second quarter. And so I sort of figured, all right, someone will, will – figure enough to ask Dan Mullen about the recruiting deficit and what's going on there. And I'm usually one of the last people to ask a question in a press conference uh, because when it's Zoom, that's just the way it sort of snakes around. Yeah. So I, I figure no one else is going to ask about recruiting, so I can play this pretty safe there. And sure. I figure you combine what Mullen said and, and how bad this loss was for him, and then you combine what Kirby Smart said. And I figured Kirby was going to give a pretty good answer on recruiting stuff because when you ask Kirby Smart questions, there's a lot of stuff that he isn't exactly forthcoming or honest on, but he'll give glowing, glowing discussions on, on recruiting talk. And so he gave a great answer, and then you combine that with what Mullen said. I figured, all right, this would be a nice little 24-hour story. A couple of national media outlets sort of wrote the same thing that I had written or tried to write anyway. And then Dan Mullen comes in yesterday and turns it into a 72-hour story. And it's going to keep mushrooming the longer he refuses to talk about it. It's not that he you know, is ignoring recruiting. I think anyone with a brain would, would recognize that. But the bigger issue here is that he's refusing to even acknowledge it. Yeah. And that only, you know, he, he mentioned, you know, we, is it perception reality? I, I try and focus on the perception so I know what our guys are dealing with in reality. How can he be this unaware that this perception that already exists is fueling into it, and now he, he's only adding to it by just refusing to talk about it? No, I think that's exactly right. And this is one of the things that we actually talked about a lot over the last couple of years, that there were two competing narratives when Georgia plays Florida. There's Kirby's narrative that has been built around him, which is getting better players would give him the advantage in a rivalry like this. And the Mullen narrative, which was, oh, he's such a smart coach that he doesn't really need the same level of talent that Kirby Smart has, that he can get more out of his guys. One thing we've said for a while is, that those two narratives could not coexist alongside each other forever, that one would eventually overtake the other. And it seems obvious now that it was always going to be Kirby. But listen, you could go back, and Connor, I know you have seen this, you could go back nationally for quite some time and see examples of people that maybe they, especially if they're kind of older school guys, more mainstream type guys that don't follow the recruiting part of this quite as closely, I mean, you're going to find people who thought that really maybe Dan Mullen could eventually outcoach Kirby Smart no matter how much uh, Kirby's talent advantage was. Well, I think now that narrative is probably dead forever. Now, that doesn't mean that Dan Mullen can't hang around and maybe do like Clemson's done, which is get a really good quarterback to go along with eh, pretty good talent. I mean, Mullen was like 11th in the blue chip ratio to start the season here this year, so they're not devoid of talent. But this notion that it doesn't matter what kind of talent Florida has, that Dan Mullen can just coach them up, that narrative is clearly squashed forever, I believe. Yeah, and when I asked Kirby the question I did on Saturday, I don't believe he was taking a shot at Dan Mullen because I don't, I don't believe that's how he operates. In terms of you know publicly and in discussing recruiting, he is so focused on selling what Georgia has to offer. It's only in juxtaposition 
with Mullen's answers on this topic and his just sort of overall stubbornness, uh, I think this takes on a, a greater impact and it shows where this Florida program is. I was talking to some guys in UGA press room yesterday. I mean, what Mullen did on Monday sort of reeks of, in my opinion, this is just an opinion, it's just conjecture, but it reeks of a guy who's like trying to get fired. I mean, you don't make that kind of stance and, and think that, oh, this is just going to go away and get better. He turned what should have been a one-day story into a multi-day story. And so by, by refusing to acknowledge recruiting, which Kirby Smart's whole thing is, you are recruiting 24-7. Nolan Smith, the morning after playing the best game of his Georgia career, goes on Twitter to say, hey, y'all need to come play for Georgia. Yeah. That sort of mentality doesn't exist in the Florida program, and it starts with Dan Mullen right now. And, I, look, I think Florida's going to win the rest of the regular season games because it's a Charmin soft schedule. But, but the comments he made yesterday and the way things have been going at Florida this year – I, you know, I, you you really start to wonder with the way things have gone under Dan Mullen, how much longer he is going to be there because it is clear that what Kirby Smart is doing leads you to more consistently contending for championships as opposed to sometimes just getting a one-off year where all the pieces sort of fall, align and fall together like I think we saw in 2020 with the Gators. One more thing on this. I agree with something Eric Emmett just said on Facebook. that, And I, it's, it's, I'm actually surprised to hear you go a different direction on this. When Kirby Smart says the I don't care who you are thing and he starts talking about, you know, no coach is going to outcoach recruiting, I mean, it's hard for me to believe that, if not fully directed at Mullen, is directed at all the people who want to act like it really is possible to be some sort of diabolical genius magician that's going to overcome recruiting deficits. Smart's been very consistent on this through the years that you've got to have good players to have good teams, and he's heard people praise you know Mullen for being able to do more with less. I have a hard time imagining that's not, at the very least, a veiled reference to Mullen, if not a more overt reference to the kind of people who think that somehow you can be an X's and O's guy that overcomes the Jimmys and Joes. To me, that seems pretty overt on the part of Smart. No, I, I, I'll, I'll, do, I'll push back there a little bit. I think it's more a, a, a shot at the people saying, you know, because Kirby does not exactly have a sterling reputation as an X's and O's guy, and, you know, he sort of propped up because of his recruiting. And I think on Saturday he was reminding everyone, especially with his 25-50-25 breakdown, recruiting is the most important thing. You know, as good of a head coach as we all think Nick Saban is, he, and I think he's a top five, like, actual game day coach in terms of schemes and development and, and, and turning things over to the offensive side of the ball, he's, he's where he is because – Alabama has recruited better than anybody over the last 15 years. Yeah. And Georgia is trying to get in there and, and make their way in there. And I think Kirby understands that. And if Georgia can consistently get on Alabama's recruiting level, you know, eventually some of those games with just the nature and randomness of football will go Georgia's way. It's a Kirby Fresh Day with Connor Riley here right now. And, of course, uh, Thanksgiving is on the way to get – everything you need for your Thanksgiving feast. You can actually uh, get big savings right now. And uh, Kroger's help, here to help you kind of stretch those uh, holiday dollars a little bit more. So get all you need uh, for the big meal coming up at the end of this month. I'm obviously a huge fan of Thanksgiving. I love the way that Kroger gets you going for all of that. So check that out online at, uh, at, at Kroger.com or just stop by and see the Kroger right there, uh, you. All you need, the turkey and all the stuff that goes along with that, Kroger's got you covered on all of that kind of let's do a couple other things here real quick before we uh, say goodbye to you and thanks for kind of shifting here and kind of working on the fly to uh figure all this out here today to get us on the air but um other stuff in the game against florida real quick i think that georgia fans are probably a little nervous about jack pud lesney right now he's had some what i would think of for him uncharacteristic struggles that seems like it's a storyline for the positive here i think it's another big day for the georgia running game samir white in particular but even james cook finds the end zone uh, all of a sudden, it feels like you figured out the the the, the running back situation uh, a little bit now, so that's a good thing. What else kind of sticks out from you beyond the key hot topics from Georgia, Florida? What else is still lingering in your mind from that game? Well, I, I think you touched on it a little bit there. I think Zamir White continues to look better and better every week, and you know, obviously the in- injury to Kendall Milton is a little bit of a bummer, but I think it's allowed Zamir White to to get into a better rhythm and sort of emerge as Georgia's best ball carrier this year. Even, you know, this game when they took when they put Kenny McIntosh out there in the second half and he had the fumble, sort of like Zamir White's been running really hard and really well for most of this game. Why why deviate away from that? And so I think to to gain the knowledge that Zamir White is your best ball carrier, I, I think is a big win coming out of this. And coming into a stretch of games where, you know, 
you can rest Zamir, but you have the knowledge going into that potential SEC championship game against Alabama. But Zamir is going to be the guy with the ball in his hands late in the game, as we saw with Clemson in the beginning of the season. Uh, three, two of Georgia's three longest pass plays were two tight ends. I think having that ability to somewhat consistently create explosive plays from the tight end position, I think, is a big win for this Georgia passing offense, and is something we're going to continue to see. And you know, with all the injury concerns about wide receiver and who might come back when and how they're playing, yeah. they get consistent production week after week from Brock Bowers and Donnell Washington. I think helps the Georgia passing offense. And then this front seven just continues to amaze and astound every week. It's a different player having a breakout game. I'd love to praise Quay Walker for what he played on Saturday. Yeah. I thought he was all over the field, along with Trayvon Walker as well. You know, obviously, Kobe Dean, who I've always believed is the superior Heisman candidate, and I think the stats will play that out over the course of the season, uh, had another standout game. But I thought Trayvon Walker and Quay Walker were all over the field on Saturday and made things incredibly miserable for the Florida Gators. Yeah, Trayvon Walker is such a good player. It's amazing that he's kind of the least heralded member of that Georgia defense defensive line right now if that's your least heralded defensive lineman my goodness what a defensive line you have and walker certainly showed that on saturday let me finish with this tonight it certainly expects that georgia we all expect georgia be number one in the college football playoff rankings when they come out for the first time here in 2021 and obviously you want to be number one at the end but i don't think of it as an insignificant thing to be kind of an easy rubber stamp number one here right now first of all there's not as much movement near the top of the playoff rankings from week to week as some people think there is you know uh, a lot of those teams from that early top four kind of find their way into that there at the end but also just speaks to the level of dominance that that georgia's enjoying here this year the most important games are still yet to be played but it is appropriate for those of us who are not coaches and players i think to just kind of stop pause for a moment and say hey if you're number one you're doing something right now how can you find a way to keep doing those same things right throughout the rest of the campaign yeah it speaks to how well georgia has played where the story coming in is how do we sort out you know teams two through seven the michigan states ohio state cincinnati oklahoma oregon's the world and then georgia is just so clear and obvious the number one that everyone's like yep all right georgia's the best team in college football they've shown that week after week you want to try picking holes in their schedule that's fine they've been the dominant team in every single game, and if anything, the scores could be more lopsided if they chose to pursue that route. So I, I think it speaks to where this Georgia program is in, in terms of health, and at the same point in time, they know, hey, they're probably going to have to beat the top four team in Alabama to get into the SEC championship game, and then they're beating two more top top four teams to win potentially a national title. So well, it's nice to have gotten here, and this team knows that. They've been here before in 2017 when they were the number one team to start those rankings as well. And, and while I believe Justin Schaefer and uh, actually just Justin Schaefer might be the only guy that was um, on the Georgia roster at that point in time and he was not playing that year, I think this team knows because of the coaching staff that it's not about being number one on November 2nd. It's about being number one on January 11th, the day after yeah. the national title game. Great stuff, Connor. We appreciate you being here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take here today. Thank you so much for your time. Yep. Thanks for having me. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, really good stuff there from Connor Riley. Uh, fun all the way around to do a Kroger Fresh Take with him. And now fun to kind of roll in, get ready to do an SEC Through with you as we're cruising around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. Of course, this is a great time to start thinking about a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. What a fun thing to be able to do, whether it be sailing out of Port Canaveral on the recently amplified mariner of the seas or whatever you know royal caribbean cruise ship you want to be a part of so many of those cruise itineraries going to take you to perfect day coco Cay. that's the private island right there in the bahamas that is an unbelievable getaway there's a chill side where you have like the floating cabanas it's like being in bora bora or somewhere like that you just kick back you relax largest freshwater pool in the bahamas on the on the thrill side you got the tallest water slide in north america you got the helium balloon that takes you up 450 feet in the air you've got all of that and you have got a great opportunity right now to book that Royal Caribbean vacation with some folks who really know. I'm talking about my friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. These are two UGA grads that run the place, but they're also deeply, deeply entrenched in everything going on with Royal Caribbean. That means they're experts on that, and they can make your vacation exactly what you and your family want it to be, whether it's going on a cruise for the first time or going on a cruise for the next time. The Cruise and Vacation Authority is one we would recommend to help you book that Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. So check them out online. The uh, website, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. You can also give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300 for the cruise and vacation 
authority. All right, let's cruise around the SEC here, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And uh, college football playoff rankings do come out tonight. There are a couple of things that I do think are really interesting about the poll tonight. It's not really so much a poll. It's more of a a ranking. What happens at number two? Georgia going to be number one. Currently, Cincinnati's number two in the human poll. There's no way Cincinnati's number two in the playoff poll tonight. I think they're actually you know more towards the bottom part of the top 10 here's the problem for cincinnati while they have the big marquee win against notre dame and notre dame very quietly has played pretty well since that game against cincinnati the problem that that the bearcats are running into is they're just not dominating american athletic competition right now you know struggled a little bit against tulane on saturday struggled a little bit more against navy the week before that i'm actually not anti-bearcats in terms of i think it's a bad team I am just fairly confident that the committee doesn't want them in the playoff. And I think the way that Cincinnati's playing against AAC foes is giving the committee some ammunition to move them down. So if Cincinnati moves down, who moves up? I think there are two very interesting comparisons. What happens here in comparison to Michigan State and Alabama? And ultimately, it probably doesn't mean all that much, but it's just a fun college football debate. Michigan State got the big win against Michigan on Saturday, but really not a lot of wins against marquee opponents opponents with a winning record prior to that obviously they got the uh, big running back and walker and folks know him now and clearly everybody's happy with what mel tucker is doing but is that undefeated mark on the heels of beating michigan is that enough to move them to number two tonight that's worth paying attention to and does that put alabama at number three then if that's the case the other side-by-side comparison this is the one that probably matters to me more than anything else this may be the most interesting moment of the night tonight when the committee comes out right now ohio state is ranked ahead of oregon in the ap coaches poll yet oregon beat ohio state head-to-head now i've told you before i believe that ohio state's probably better than oregon but the results for ohio state certainly against penn state don't necessarily argue for that that it's one thing if you're doing what you did to indiana two weeks ago you're you know scoring 50 on the road you can say well they may have lost head-to-head fluky things happen but ohio state's clearly a better team than oregon but when you see ohio state playing the way that it did against penn state on saturday do you have that clear argument quite as much anymore? I'm not quite so sure that you do. So from that standpoint, what happens between Ohio State and Oregon, knowing that Oregon has the head-to-head win against Ohio State, knowing that we haven't had a Pac-12 team in the playoffs since, what, 2016? Washington is the last time that a Pac-12 team made the playoff. That is probably worth paying attention to. I joked about this last night. So, I mean, there has just not been a lot of sleep to be had as of late, and I'm not complaining because when you got the Braves in the World Series, when you got you know fun things happening with football all weekend long just nothing better than that but you do go several days without getting what you feel like it's a full night of sleep and especially when you got travel in the mix there because we're going to jacksonville and leaving after a high school game on friday and just felt kind of tired and the only thing i could think about for like the last few days was i just can't wait till monday night gets here Uh, i'm just gonna relax i'm gonna go to bed at 10 p.m i'm just gonna get a full night's sleep and there i am at 11 30 last night scrolling through every single thing I could related to the Texas assistant, Jeff Banks, used to be at Alabama. His, I guess we're going to call her wife, who is a professional dancer, if you know what I'm saying. And she has a monkey. I guess the monkey is kind of a professional prop for her. The monkey also got loose on Halloween. All of this documented in painstaking detail on social media. And unfortunately, the monkey attacked the child, which is, I guess, the serious part of all of this. But then she bank's wife who is known as i guess the pole assassin that's her nickname she or professional name uh nom de plume maybe um she is uh defending herself saying it didn't happen but as she goes through all the tweets about this i think you come to the arrival that it actually did happen but she eventually deletes her twitter uh the entire college football world was just thrown into um just an absolute disarray throughout all of this. The happiest person in America about this last night had to be Dan Mullen. I mean, the, happy, the happiest person in America had to be Dan Mullen. Because as Connor said, the whole Dan Mullen and his wrestling match with the recruiting has been a 72-hour story. And you got the impression yesterday afternoon that it was the biggest thing in college football for the entire week was Dan Mullen's shrugging disregard for the role of recruiting and building a championship team. Essentially wanted to relegate that to the recruiting season and as, as the and i'll use air quotes in recruiting season as mullen called that you think man this is going to dominate the narrative for the entire week then five seconds later hey did you hear about pole assassins monkey like it doesn't take <laughs> uh you just never know where the college football twist and turns are, are going to take us and that certainly happened there last night related to that and by the way speaking of the lone star state let's stay there for a moment so you may know, know that gary patterson is out at tcu 
and obviously some chatter starting to emerge about who might be his replacement. And I think there, you know, certainly a couple of names they're going to kind of show up there. But one of the same names that's getting some chatter on some, you know, like there's always those watch lists. All the websites put out the watch list. Like I'm seeing Mike Elko's name, the Texas A&M defensive coordinator, pop up there. Same way it kind of popped up with Kansas alongside Dan Lanning. Uh, obviously, Lanning knew the Kansas area very well. He's kind of from, you know, originally from Kansas City. He'd recruited that part of the country uh, over the course of his life there. And so some thought, well, he may be a candidate for the Kansas head coaching job because of how well he knows that. Elko is kind of the name kind of mentioned alongside him. As of yet, I really haven't seen that Lanning connection to TCU as of yet. I mean, I think they're going to probably end up going the direction of Sonny Dykes if they can. I think that's what they'd like to probably do here. But but you are seeing Elko's name popping up. So when you see Elko, you've kind of saw Lanning in the past. Right now you're seeing Elko. You're not really seeing Lanning. But but I think a lot of folks are wondering, is this the offseason where Dan Lanning gets a chance to make that move as a head coach? There's no obvious connection between him and TCU, but it's that next job that's kind of open uh, up for Lanning here, potentially speaking. So that's a name worth watching. As of now, though, not really seeing too substantive a connection for him and TCU. But but as you see Elko's name pop up, you start to wonder, does Lanning's name shortly follow? Because they've seemingly been uh, kind of connected before. Uh, I'll also mention, uh, briefly mention this as a part of our uh, cruiser in the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. This upcoming weekend in the SEC is quietly pretty entertaining. Uh, you've got Hugh Freeze going back to Oxford. I can't even believe this story's flying under the radar. I mean, imagine this for Ole Miss. You just lost a game at Auburn. You know, kind of what was sort of a magical season seems a little less so now. No quickly do you sh- no, no more you know, quickly do you shake that off. Now you got your old coach coming back. First of all, can you imagine how much self esteem you'd have to have to come walking back into Oxford, given everything that gone on that went on to cause you to leave Oxford in the first place, both from a professional and personal standpoint? Hugh Freeze is actually someone amazing in that regard. But apparently he's heading back there on Saturday. My guess is there'll be a lot of interesting things over overseen overheard when it comes to freeze's trip back to oxford there as liberty comes in with uh with freeze on saturday to take on Ole miss that's pretty interesting but the biggest game of all in the sec believe it or not it's probably not alabama lsu it's probably auburn uh texas a&m and there is still a a possibility for chaos to reign in the sec west if auburn can beat alabama at the end of the season if auburn were to Pull that upset at the end of the year and beat Alabama. And keep in mind, Alabama's lost its last two games played in Jordan-Hare Stadium in 2019-2017. So it's not inappropriate to discuss the possibility that might happen. But if you could, for a moment, stipulate an Auburn upset of Alabama to close at the regular season, suddenly this Auburn-Texas A&M game takes on a huge level of importance. So that's really the reason why it was tapped for the CBS 330 spot. Uh, some pretty interesting stuff going to be going down there with that so we'll obviously have our eye towards the rest of the weekend as we move a little closer to that and then finally there's this i don't typically play audio as part of our sec through but it was uh worth doing this here right now this is my favorite time of almost my favorite time of year during the college football season because as you head into november there are obviously some teams riding high and feeling very good about themselves clearly georgia probably the best of that bunch right now feeling like they really have sights set on a national championship And in a league where there's so much success to be enjoyed like the SEC, there's also going to be unimaginable disappointment when you're not a part of that discussion. And so parallel to the really happy things that are always going on in the SEC, you've got, you know, some of the stuff we've documented with Dan Mullen over the last couple of days. But also think about the mess ongoing at LSU. I don't think that anything probably compartmentalized this better than (laughs) – I'm going to have to set this up, then we'll let you hear uh, Ed Orgeron. So Orgeron was asked about, hey, scouting Alabama. Or that's what he thought the question was about, about scouting. And he he thought the person was asking them him about Alabama. He's like, oh, no, they're really good. But the reporter then said, no, 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 I'm not asking you about scouting your opponent. I'm asking you about self-scouting your team. What do you see during a bye week, which is what LSU just had, when you scout your team? So that's the context for this. Let me tell you something. Ed Orgeron, who's – a little bit of, a, I think, of kind of an alpha-style coach, but now reduced to lame duck capacity there at LSU. He did not hold back when just ripping into his own charges. This, to me, is is really funny, and it speaks to the just, I don't know, just the dread that sort of creeps into some programs near the end of what's turned out to be a lost season. I thought this was funny from Edward's run. Take a listen to this. Used last week to do 
a lot of scouting. Uh, what did you come up with, and how, how confident are you that your coaches kind of you know, learned a lot about your team? Yeah, well, <laughs> they're very good, as always, well, very well coached. Uh, well, uh, on us, okay, on us. Well, on self-scouting, we, we're too predictable uh, by formations, too predictable on first down. Uh, we're very, very predictable on uh, on defense. Uh, we need to have more of a variety on first down. We are giving them the same looks over and over again. Uh, there's not much disguise. What we line up in, we were in. So we got to, yeah, you can't. This part of the season, you just can't put a lot of new stuff in. But we put in a couple of wrinkles to make it tough. And then the, the biggest part for us on defense is adjusting. Uh, we have not been in the right adjustments. We have not been in the right position according to some formations. So we had an adjustment period all last week, adjustment period all this week. We've been doing it. But we're really, really holding in and being in the right place at the right time. I mean, does that not sound like a guy who's just about done? He's like, hey, what do you think about scouting? Oh, you mean Alabama? Oh, they're great. No, I'm talking about your own team. Oh, no, we we run the same thing over and over again. We're just way too predictable. We, we, we line up the same way we line up the previous play. I mean, can you imagine a guy just throwing his coordinators just completely under the bus like that? Lame duck coach, as I said before. You know, Orgeron's kind of used to being the alpha. He's kind of used to being the guy that is just oozing with self-confidence, especially coming off the 2019 National Championship. Man, that man is a beaten man right now, and he is just ripping into his team in press conferences. This is what you get this time of the year in the SEC. You get the highest of highs on one place. You get the lowest of lows other places. And I got to tell you, I am here for both ends of that. That is pretty entertaining stuff. All right, we're going to give out a few golden shoes here today. We're going to do a few of these over the course of the the rest of our time here because a lot of folks want to celebrate that one against Florida. A lot of folks having fun with the rest of the stuff going on around college football. So let's bounce through and do a few of these. We get ready to wrap up here on Dog Nation Daily presented by ESOG today, including somebody, by the way, enjoying a little classic city lager. Here's golden shoe number one today. Our buddy uh, Seth, USA uh, Seth Melton, checks in to say that he'd give classic city lager a shot since it's all dog nation daily talks about it. it gives you the go dogs also the hashtag jd to nyc anytime you but it looks like he's enjoying himself a nice little restaurant meal there too can't quite tell what restaurant that is but it appears to be a, a patio somewhere you see the cast iron table or, or the wrought iron i guess what you call that so it looks like uh he's out there enjoying himself a patio somewhere got the classic city lager going so i'm glad you had some fun and you are straight to the front of the line for using the hashtag jd to nyc appreciate that seth also, more golden shoes to give out. Our buddy uh, Bassin Dog made this, and Russell Jaffair shared this with me. It says uh, uh, AR-15 might be hitting that transfer portal after getting destroyed by Georgia's defense. And you see him kind of spinning off into the transfer portal there. Uh, Russell shares that with me. Bassin Dog, former golden shoe winner. He's back in there again today. Uh, that's pretty good stuff. Thank you, gentlemen, for making that part of our thing here. This is one of the more salacious, scandalous uh, golden shoes we probably ever had. Mad Dog made this. He says the University of Texas has the first and adult only, quote, adult-themed college football stadium. You see the monkey. You see the no children allowed. You see what it must apparently be pole assassin. You see all that going on. So, obviously, Mad Dog having a good time with that, and we'll give him a golden shoe for doing so. And I think we have one more to give out here today there as well. Yeah, this is a little bit more family-themed. This is a little bit more in keeping with our typical decorum. Barry Watkins Jr., how about the carving on this pumpkin? 34 to 7 that's some real work those are like the authentic logos both those teams the score and you see a very uh beaten up florida gator uh good looking uh young man uh doing that there that's a uh, funny thing to be able to see best halloween costume for sure glad to see those georgia fans having some fun related to halloween and uh very nice looking costume and also a terrific terrific uh pumpkin carving there for the 34 to 7 georgia victory you love to be able to say that appreciate you barry we'll make you a golden shoe winner there as well let me also remind you about my friends at bet us great time to get involved with them america's most beloved sports book been that way for more than 25 years you don't get that way unless you're taking really good care of your players and that's what bet us is famous for including when you sign up for the very first time because when you go to betus.com Use the promo code DN125. The DN stands for Dog Nation. The 125 stands for the 125% son of bonus you're going to get. When you uh, do that, you will, as I said before, get a 125% bonus on your initial deposit. That means BetUS is going to put more money in your account than you are 
to start things off. You put in 100, they're going to give you 125. That's 225 right there off the top. That's just kind of simple math to make you understand how that works. So BetUS.com, the promo code DN125, a big sign-up to bonus for starting your account there at BetUS. And good luck to you as you pick games as we head towards the weekend. All right, so uh, getting ready to wrap things up today. Love those uh, golden shoe submissions. We're going to keep doing multiple golden shoe submissions in the uh, days to come. Uh, all of that uh, is going to be a great time. A lot of fans having some fun after Georgia's win against those lousy, stinking Gators, and that is certainly something that's really good to see. Uh, obviously, getting ready for Georgia-Missouri coming up on Saturday. Dogs, huge, speaking of U.S., huge favorite against Missouri, and I know a lot of fans are disappointed about a noon start once again. Admittedly, I kind of feel the same way on that. Too many noon starts for the number one team in the country would certainly seem. So sometimes this kind of stuff is hard to make sense of, but that is where things stand with UGA right now. But a big weekend to come. Number one likely tonight in the college football playoff rankings, and that's always a fun thing to get ready to enjoy too. Here's something else that's fun to think about. Coming up in 361 days, Georgia goes back to Jacksonville, gets another win against those lousy, stinking Gators. Not too soon to start thinking about 2022. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And on the podcast, I'm now the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. I'm glad to be doing this again. You know, took us a while to get, kind of get settled into our new confines, and we're still kind of feeling our way around with all of that. And But either way, it's kind of nice to be here and uh, having a good time. And we'll take a few of your comments real quickly. Let me go to dognation.com for one here first. Uh, white. I think it's YP Craig is how you say this. He says about the talent advantage that Georgia has against Florida and others. He says, well, finally, we're not only signing the better players, but we got the better players when we play. He says the days of, quote, why is it during recruiting season they saw these great players when it comes time to play the game? Uh, where are all those great players going? He says, I don't understand that. What happens to them? He says those days are over. And what he's referencing is this notion that somehow great players come to a place like Georgia. Like Think about what Steve Spurrier once said. Great players come to a place like Georgia, but – when you play them, you don't really see those great players in the field. And this is one of the things I think that some people kind of outside the real intense focus of recruiting have probably misunderstood. That like when Kirby Smart first started having great recruiting success at Georgia, some people kind of responded to that with a shrug of, well, what else is new? Georgia always gets good recruiting classes. But that's not really the case in comparison to what Kirby Smart was doing. There's a huge difference between being in the bottom half of the top ten and being in the top half of the top 10, if not number one overall. In terms of the true difference-making impact players, there's just a huge difference there. And I think some of this you know, notion that used to exist of, well, Georgia's got all these great recruits, but they're not really doing anything with them. It's very possible to – let's say that you signed – you know, I, I think in 2017 – Georgia was number three in the country in recruiting. I think they signed like what eleven four stars that year. So you've had about you know um, you know something along those lines, maybe, maybe slightly higher than that. But so that eleven twelve like we saw you know Auburn a couple of years ago they signed like seventeen four star guys, but they were obviously barely in the top ten. That what happens sometimes is you may sign what feels like a lot of four star guys. You may sign what feels like a you know a, a big number there. But it's possible not to have that talent evenly distributed. It's possible not to – look at Clemson right now. One of the things that, that, that's affecting Clemson, even though they've had good recruiting, they really haven't had a lot of those guys constitute along the offensive line. And from time to time, look at Florida. Florida was 11th. I mean, people have been ripping Florida for its recruiting misses, but the truth is is that in terms of total number of, uh, of top recruits signed, Florida's actually – not in a terrible position there's a guy named bud elliott who does, does a blue chip ratio every year which is the percentage of former four and five star recruits you have in your roster on the basis of that metric florida was actually 11th coming into the year um or top 15 maybe it's 14th 11 12 13 14 something like that they're actually in, in a pretty good position there but they don't really have a lot of those guys in the defensive line so some of that is hey, you can actually sign pretty good recruiting classes, but you can miss in a position group that can, especially if it's a line of scrimmage position group, and that can really accentuate what you don't have. And I think from time to time, and this is no shot at Mark Rick, who I had great respect for and great admiration for, but it seems like sometimes there would be a couple of position groups where there was, there was glaring misses. Yes, you may have some talented guys here and there, and yes, your overall roster from a, from a recruiting rating standpoint may look pretty good. But it was fairly easy to to have some roster holes. 
That's what Kirby Smart's really doing, is he's recruiting so well that there really aren't any holes in the roster. I mean, clearly they've dominated defensive recruiting for a while, and that's the reason why they have arguably the greatest defense of all time. But offensively, they're not really taking much of a, uh, of a backseat to that in the last couple of cycles there either. And all of a sudden, they're having more offensive success. Now, you may say, well, they're not having as much success as I'd like for them to have, and that's fine. But they are having more offensive success. And it's the recruiting that they've been doing that's allowing them to do that. So I think you're right that the, the, the overall point of all this is I think you're correct that, that the, the narrative that somehow Georgia gets talented players but doesn't do enough with them it's being crushed right now because Kirby stacked so much talent, it's almost impossible not to have a successful and talented team. So I think that's a really good point all the way around. Also, uh, some folks checking in on here over uh, at Twitter there as well, weighing in a couple of topics. Um, Alpha Dog 3 writes in to say that uh, he calls him Mullet. A lot of Georgia fans like calling Dan Mullen Mullet. He says Mullet's bark has always been worse than his bite. And it appears a little uh, uh, monkey's uh, fiercer too, obviously referencing the Jeff Banks situation. He says you got to expect a college football coach with a girlfriend named uh, Pole Assassin to steal his oxygen. Maybe Mullet should start using the name Gator Assassin. Yeah, I'm sure uh, that would be kind of an interesting thing to think about there. Gary Harris, thanks for some really kind words. I appreciate that. And a lot of folks having a... Uh, a really good time here right now. So thanks for being here as part of our podcast, Cool Down Today. Obviously, we're excited about having this segment up and running again. And, of course, we invite you to check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. They'll also be with us for Go With The Flow, presented by R.S. Andrews, coming up on Friday on the Dog Nation video channels as we make our picks for the week. So we'll do that then with them and say goodbye to you for now and back here tomorrow for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down at the end of the show, and Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia before all of that. Uh, have a good day, everybody. We'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.